Hey, good morning, everybody. Nikki Burnett here, Taste Life Nutrition Radio, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com, where we, the goal for us is to bring you um, as much truth, as much goodness, as much fun uh, about things, you know, that are related to health and wellness. So physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial, you know, all of these things are are key to living uh, this really big, amazing life that we are put here to live. Um, and so usually I have a guest today, it's just me. But sometimes, um, sometimes stories, personal stories inspire the show, right? And so um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the thyroid. And so I have my own personal story that I'll dig into, but the thyroid is such a wonky little amazing gland and I, I love it and I'm frustrated by it. But the thing is, is so many of us are frustrated by it because we don't understand what's going on with our bodies. And there's something that I say um, a lot to people and it's when when we know that there's something going on, and we actually did a show on this not too long ago too, it's like, why, why do my labs show that I'm fine? Why does my doctor say that I'm fine? But my body's like, I'm not fine. And then so what happens? What happens a lot of times? Well, we get dismissed. We are um, put on antidepressants, right? So it gets frustrating, it gets annoying, and then these things happen and we're just like, why is our body rebelling? And that's what it feels like. It feels like the body is rebelling. Um, but I forgot to start, as always, with gratitude. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. I'm excited about this topic, um, <laughs> but I did get ahead of myself. And so we always start the show with gratitude because gratitude can change the world. Um, and so I think it's important to keep that in mind to start your morning with gratitude. If possible, I try to make it a habit. As soon as I wake up, my mind goes to what I'm grateful for in that day. Um, there are a lot of things that I'm I'm in the middle of learning right now, which is which is really fun. But um, but that's one of those habits that I have done a pretty good job at creating. And then uh, also then writing it down, journaling. Um, you know, the more we're grateful for, the more we have to be grateful for. Um, I truly believe that to be the case. No matter what your situation is, there are always, there's always something to be grateful for. So, um, you know, I, I kind of say this a lot, but, you know, it, you know, with, you know, we have our ebbs and flows in life and, you know, we have our peaks and our valleys and sometimes it just feels like it's a little difficult to get out of those valleys. And so um, I have been surrounded by some pretty amazing women who are just there to help to pull out of the valley, you know, so I'm, it's not like I'm in this weird dark place, but it's just, you know, things happen um, and, and things can, life can get a little frustrating. And the, the most amazing thing about um, being intentional about who you surround yourself by is that those people are going to help to build you up and to help pull you out of the valleys. And, um, and that's what I always hope to do as well, um, is to always, uh, be aware of my surroundings, be aware of what's going on with other people. And if there's a way that I can help and conserve, whether it's friends, whether it's networking, you know, colleagues, whether it's clients, family, whatever the case may be, um, you know, I'm always, I, I want to, I pray that I have the awareness that I can bring to the situation where I can help to lift them as I am always lifted. So I'm super grateful for that. Super grateful for people who I've been introduced to and who are just amazing people in my life. Um, so find those people and I'll say it again, be intentional about, um, be intentional about, do you have a, sorry, do you have a little wipey cloth? Okay, thanks. <laughs> Um, be intentional about who you surround yourself with because it can, it can really make a difference. It can make a difference good or bad. Uh, I think I, t yeah, it can make a difference good or bad. 
Um, and so I think it's it, it can really make or break us a lot of the times. Awesome, thank you. Sorry, when the video is cloudy, it makes me crazy. Much better, it's probably my fingerprints. Anyway, all right, I feel like it's a little bit better. So um, let's get into the thyroid a little bit. Uh, maybe I'll start with my story. So I was trying to figure out, you know, where to start my story in this process um, because, you know, for one, I, don't, I don't want to bore anybody, but I think that especially for women, because it's mostly women, it's men also, but, but really when it comes to thyroid issues and adrenal burnout and, you know, you know pituitary dysfunction, you know, we've got this, you know, hypo, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, right? We've got all of these, um, these, these glands and these organs that tend to go haywire with women. And I think so much of it is because we, we always have these intense hormonal fluctuations. We have intense hormonal fluctuations throughout our entire lives. So is it uh, these intense hormonal fluctuations uh, each month? right? Um, and then we start to move into perimenopause and then we start to move into menopause. And these fluctuations, although normal and natural to an extent, I think really tend to, if we're not as fully balanced as we can possibly be, which is really hard, the body's super dynamic, then it can really start to throw things out of whack. Um, you know, you've heard me talk a lot about endocrine disruptors. Um, and endocrine disruptors, uh, just to give a, a, a quick overview, endocrine disruptors are toxins in our environment. So if it's pesticides, herbicides, it can be uh, ingredients that we put, you know, in our skin lotion and on our, 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 you know, what we wash our hair with or what we clean our clothes with. Um, you know, all of these things in our environment that we eat and we're exposed to all day, every day, have the potential of, of totally disrupting our hormones. Why? Because they're called, they're called xenoestrogens. And so xenoestrogens, they bind super tightly to estrogen receptor sites and don't allow for our own natural estrogen to do its job. So then we have all of this excess estrogen running around our body, which creates massive hormonal fluctuations and disruption. And so, believe it or not, all of this has to do with the thyroid as well. So, you know, the thyroid is part of the endocrine system. The endocrine system, you've got your, um, you know, your pituitary gland, your hypothalamus, your thyroid, your, your thymus, your uh, sex, uh, sex glands, um, your adrenals. So we have all of these. And the interesting thing too is these are all kinds of our chakras, which is super cool and a little outside of my world, but these are all of our chakras. So interesting. But they're huge in maintaining health. Hormones are communicators. And if hormones aren't communicating with each other, with other parts of the body, then dysfunction can occur. And so, we want to, if we, if we start with, if we start with my story, um, how far back do we want to go? Um, I'll, you know, I'll just start. <laughs> so a few years ago, I started putting on weight. Now I'm a nutritionist, feel pretty confident in the way that I eat. I feel pretty confident in the way that I care for myself. Um, this is something that I've been doing for many, 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 many years. And I'm always learning. I'm always growing. Um, and I'm always understanding. And I've, I've been really stable. I test myself on a regular basis. Um, but, you know, then started putting on weight. And, and, and initially, it was pretty slow. Uh, but it's still that ticking up. I'm like, what is, what is happening? So, you know, I play with my food again, you know. Is there something that I'm doing that's wrong? You know, I've done my food sensitivity testing. I'm not sensitive to anything. Yeast, interestingly, um, at least as of a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, that's my favorite thing about testing is it, it starts to give us answers. Um, but I just, you know, like anybody else, I was like, well, 
let's just start working, you know, on the food. Let's start working on detoxifying. And, and, you know, I'm just, because I'm a nerd about this stuff, you know, I want to experience all of the things that, that my clients experience. So whether it's testing, whether it's diets and fad diets and, and, um, I don't believe in fad diets. I think that they have their benefits at certain times for certain people, but I think they can also be a problem. But for, I want, I like the knowledge. I like to experiment. I like to play. I like to see how my body reacts to things. And I think it's important. Not everybody wants to do that, but I want to have the experience of understanding all of these different things. So I have tried all of the things and it's been, you know, a couple of year process of kind of moving through the different little diets and fads and things just to kind of experiment. But interestingly, interestingly to me, um, the weight just kept being put on. So literally within the last three months, I've probably put on six or seven pounds. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling this to the world. It's really funny. So, you know, I'm, this is not, it, this isn't like these massive dramatic changes. I get that. Um, but it's, it is a, it's a, you know, it's a dramatic change for me. And I think for anybody who, who, is having a hard time understand, understanding their body changes like that that are dramatic and you don't understand why it gets frustrating. And so I think more than anything I want to convey that you know I am pretty aware. I'm pretty aware of my body. I'm pretty aware of what is healthy, what's not healthy um, for me. And I teach this all the time, but still came, you know, still sitting here going, there's something that's not right. So with all of that being said, and I'm still in the process of figuring all of this out, but um, it was time to test my hormones. And um, I have tested my hormones in the past and everything has been fine. But it's this, what, I, what, what made me think that I wanted to do a show on testing the thyroid specifically or understanding the thyroid specifically is because there are so many patterns of dysfunction of the thyroid that that lead to symptoms of an underactive thyroid gland. And so the, the thyroid is impacted by blood sugar, by insulin, by toxins, by the adrenal glands, by the pituitary gland, you know, and what we, what we, what we often do when we're experiencing symptoms that, that we don't understand. So if it's the weight gain, if it's, um, if it's depression, if it's fatigue, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, I have to take my afternoon nap. I can't function, you know, and people get really frustrated. So what happens is they go to their doctor and their talk, doctor tests their, their TSH. That's great. And it's important, but it's about one tenth of what we need to do to test, to understand the thyroid and what's going on. And so um, so often, okay, well, so the thyroid is out of range. Well, we just put you on some thyroid medication. That's not the answer. The answer is not that you're missing thyroid medication. The, 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 the problem is that there is something going on, something underlying that you've got to address, that you've got to find. Remember, it's a symptom, right? When there's dysfunction, when there's fatigue, when there's weight gain, when there is is uh, brain fog, when all of these things that can happen, especially that that mimic um, uh, underactive thyroid, we've got to start to to understand what's impacting the thyroid that's creating this situation. And so first, let's talk about labs, because when we go to often, not always, but when we go to our allopathic physician. Um, they have a lot of them, most of them have been trained to test TSH and that's the end all be all. And TSH, yes, it's important, but if TSH is low or if it's high, we're not, we don't know why, because we're not looking at all of the other factors that impact TSH. So if we were to go above that, you know, it's the, it's the pituitary gland that actually tells the thyroid to produce thyroid stimulating hormone, which is TSH. So we can have a situation where the pituitary gland 
is not functioning properly and so the thyroid doesn't get the the message to to you know put out TSH so we have this situation of potential hypothyroid or underactive thyroid but it's secondary due to the pituitary gland so we have to understand these things and if we were to go even um, further than that so we have so primary hypothyroidism um, which is underactive thyroid right it, it this is when the the just the TSH just is not functioning properly right um, and then we have uh, hypothyroidism secondary to, to pituitary hypofunction and then we have what we call thyroid underconversion which also is going to create a situation where it looks like or feels like an underactive thyroid. And so, um, sorry, I got a little bit ahead of myself. We were talking about the labs and the importance of the labs. So when we're looking at the, the, the lab ranges, lab ranges often can vary from lab to lab, which is super frustrating because if they're varying from lab to lab, you're like, well, what's right and what's wrong? Okay, so you have your typical lab ranges, which are more your pathogenic lab ranges, right? But then if we were to take those ranges and, and just make them a little more narrow, that's what we call our functional ranges. Functional ranges are very, very important because it, it, it allows us to see more red flags, start putting more pieces of the puzzle together so we can see things a little earlier and see dysfunction. We've got to understand that typical lab ranges is very general. It's very general for the population. It doesn't mean it's optimal. So functional lab ranges tend to be more optimal, which makes them a little more narrow in a lot of cases, in most cases, which they, again, it, if something is starting to go a little wonky, we see it sooner. And so, and that's the key to labs too. You know, and, and just to take uh, the, the, the thyroid itself and looking at these labs, it's so important to understand all the pieces and parts. So we'll, you know, sometimes we'll have, um, you know, sometimes a doctor will test, you know, TSH, T4 and T3 but it still doesn't help us understand. So if there's thyroid underconversion um, the, and you're, you're not testing all of the hormones, if, you don't, if we don't understand that it's a pituitary issue, that it's a GI issue, that it's an adrenal issue that's affecting the thyroid, then we don't know how to address it, right? So we have to know what it is that's causing the dysfunction in the first place. And so um, we have these, these ranges. What's interesting too, and this is fairly new as far as I'm concerned, when I learned about functional ranges, especially, especially with TSH, functional ranges um, in my training is 1.8 to 3. Now it's actually gone, functional ranges is right around 1 to 2, right, for, for some. And so... When we're looking at the functional ranges of TSH, um, functional range versus lab range, the lab range for TSH is, I have it here, uh, 0.5 to 5.5. So interesting story here is, and this happens a lot, because we see that that, that, that lab range is, is, is high up as 5.5. I mean, you get up above three, you're going, you probably are going to start seeing symptoms. And my sweet mom was coming to me that I was still in school at this point, but she was like, I'm just, I'm so fatigued and I have these problems. And they were testing her TSH and they were like, you're fine. And her TSH was four and then it was seven. And they're like, oh, not a big deal. And I think it got up to eight, which is, it's high, certainly high enough for symptoms. That you can get a lot higher than that, but that will create symptoms, period. And so I just kept telling her, you have to be your own advocate. And if you don't take anything else away from this conversation, be your own advocate. And, and if, if, you're, if you're not getting the care you need, if you're not being listened to, find somebody who's going to listen to you. Um, it's so important. So I just, I, I kept pushing her, you have to get your entire thyroid checked. You have to get everything checked. We have to know 
what the underlying cause is, or at least, at least start to dig into what the underlying cause could be. Finally, they gave in and it ended up it wasn't a thyroid issue because it was Hashimoto's, which is an, which is an immune issue, right? So we start to dig into to the, the antibodies. So these are, these are issues where the body attacks the thyroid. This goes, it affects the thyroid. It creates hypothyroid, then it can create hyperthyroid, then it can create hypo because you can go into these storms, right? Because the immune system is going after the thyroid for whatever reason, right? It's a dysfunction in the immune system. And so, but she was having symptoms. She was having problems. She had a, she had a, what these, these storms can cause um, hot flashes, interestingly. So keep that in mind. But she had a hot flash so bad, I don't really know how to understand this, but she had a hot flash that was so intense she thought she was going to have to go to the emergency department. So this is something that is, you know, when we have these situations to really take the time to dig in, find somebody who's going to help you take the time to dig in and who's going to run all the labs, understand the, the functional ranges and help you through it. Um, so for me personally, as I got my thyroid panel back and was waiting on my, on my hormone panel, um, my thyroid looks pretty good, but we're pushing under conversion, right? So the, um, the, the, the conversion is not happening properly. So my, I can still have some symptoms but it's still, so I'd say it's just not optimal, right? So if I were, if I were to look at, at, at my panel and look at the, 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 the typical lab range, my thyroid is beautiful. But if I look at my panel in functional ranges, it's low, right? So um, there, are, there are several of these. Put my glasses on. So let's see, I have it. Oh, I didn't bring mine. I thought I did. So I just brought my cheat sheet, but I didn't bring mine. But either way, um, so I'm under converting and my and my reverse T3 is low. So this is functionally low. So it's not optimal. So symptoms can still happen, right? So all of this to be said, we can also have thyroid overconversion. We can have thyroid binding globulin elevation. We can have thyroid resistance where the, the, we, can, we see this a lot. So think about this. If there's cellular dysfunction, which is sort of you know, what happens in, in all, I think in any case of some kind of dysfunction, there's some kind of cellular dysfunction, some kind of mitochondrial dysfunction. Something isn't working at the core. And if we address that, then we start to address the rest, right? We've got to go to the foundation of health. We've got to get to the root cause. So, uh, but we still have to ask the question, if there's cellular and mitochondrial dysfunction, why? Right? And so we'll get into that a little bit. But there's a, there's a situation of cellular dysfunction when it becomes resistant to hormones, right? So you've heard of insulin resistance. It's where insulin's not getting into the cell. You can have thyroid resistance where thyroid hormone is not getting into the cell, right? So we can have these, these situations where things may seem to be working properly, but there's cellular dysfunction. And so they still then create, this is really one of the, the key books to understanding, and it just is what it says, why do I still have thyroid symptoms when my labs are normal? Um, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, we have to get outside of what is what we see as conventional lab ranges and start to really dig in and understand all the pieces and parts that affect the thyroid. So um, this is by Dr. Uh, uh, yeah, Dr. Karazian, uh, Dr. Datis Karazian, who is just an amazingly smart person. Um, he's he's got some really great books. They're pretty heady, uh, which I love. But he gives you really good information. He this is how he helps you to be your advocate, right? That's what I want to do. I want to help. I want to give you information so you can be your own advocate, so you know where to go to find the people who can help you. Or maybe you can help yourself. Or maybe you can just take this stuff to your doctor and say, this is what I need to know. Help me to know it. And if they tell you no, then you find somebody else, right? So 
be your advocate, have the resources. Um, Datis Karazian is an amazing resource in a lot of different ways, but this is a, this is a great book. Uh, it's one that I go to a lot because um, I'm certainly not a thyroid expert, uh, but I have a lot of great resources. So um, beyond that, you know, one of the things that I think is important to hit on is the thyroid and everything else in the body is affected by stress. And when we talk about stress, we talk about stress a lot when it comes to work stress, life stress, family stress, relational stress, um, you know, all of these stressors that are these outside stressors. When so much of our stress, whether it's additional stress or, you know, you know take it take it however way, you know, which one is additional stress, it's all stress, but stress through toxins in the environment, stress through toxins that we're putting on our skin, stress through toxins that are in our, um, in our food, in our cleaning. That's the funniest thing too, is, uh, you know, we, we talk about cleaning our home and we're using these poisons to clean our home. It's really annoying. Uh, so I, you know, don't, don't listen to the greenwashing and all of the, the things about, you know, the natural and all of that stuff, because you've got, you've got to know, you have to know what is actually good and healthy and is going to care for you and your environment and your family and your animals. Um, and so know the ingredients, go to ewg.com, which is environmentalworkinggroup.com. They can give you so much good information about the products that you're using, the ingredients in each product. The first time I found them, <laughs> this was years ago, uh, it was before nutrition school I found them, and talk about a rabbit hole. I mean, I was taking all of my ingredients and looking at all of the all of my products, looking at all of the ingredients. I was like, holy smokes, it was just out of control. It was hours and hours that I spent on the computer sitting there researching everything that I had in my house, um, which is cool. It's a lot, but they're amazing because you can put in product brand names and you can break it down to the list of the ingredients, but it'll give you a rating on the, on the product and the brand itself, uh, which I think is important and can probably save you from a little rabbit hole time. Um, but understanding that also mycotoxin exposure uh, for those who are, are, you know, who have specific variants that don't allow them to detoxify mycotoxins well. Um, so we can have, uh, you know, mycotoxin exposure can, can be an added stress. We can have, um, you know, dysbiosis, which is an imbalance in our gut bugs that can create more stress. We can have um, heavy metal toxicity, which also comes from the toxins in our environment. We, we have heavy metals, we have metalloestrogens, right? So I was talked about xenoestrogens. We also have metalloestrogens that create hormonal imbalances in the body. So all of these things are these amazing stressors that are put on the body. The body is constantly trying to fight, trying to eliminate, trying to care for us. The body is our friend. It's always, always our friend. It's always got our back. And so when something starts going wonky, we have to start to sit back and say, what is it that's making it go wonky? What, what am I doing that's pissing my body off and what can I do to fix it? It's not always easy to figure it out. Um, but that's the most beautiful, beautiful thing about having the ability to run labs, especially functional labs, because it's the functional labs that start to dig into what could be creating the imbalance and the stressors in the first place, right? So when we're looking at functional lab testing, as far as the thyroid's concerned, um, so the ones that I did, so of course I looked at my thyroid, I looked at my entire thyroid, uh, but I also ran my hormones. And when I say my hormones, it's other hormones, it's more my sex hormones, but it's all, it's a, a big part is my androgenic hormones, which are my, you know, my testosterone, testosterone, aldosterone, uh, androstenedione, right? So all of these, uh, these, these more male hormones that we all have. And then of course I'm looking, looked at, you know, um, our, you know, pregnenolone and progesterone and, and estrogens, and there's multiple of each of these, and we're looking at the metabolites of all of these. And then we start to look at um, adrenal hormones, and we can look at DHEA, well, sorry, that's a little bit up the pathway, but, um, and then we can look at, you know, how are, how are my adrenal glands functioning? Because 
My adrenal glands are very closely uh, tied to my thyroid and vice versa, but also it's all very closely, closely tied to everything. So we want to have a good picture of what's going on. And then on top of that, being 51, moving, you know, likely moving into, you know, out of perimenopause and into menopause, which is a whole other crazy thing. But there, there's this, all of these, these different fluctuations that are going on and everything's affecting every other part. And so having those lab results, finally, I finally just got them yesterday, um, that helps to give me some indication also of what's going on. Um, and I'll tell you that, that although I'm not under converting, I have a lot of stress hormone going on in my body, which is interesting too. I'm a pretty laid back chick. You know, I, things don't typically bother me. Um, and so I think that because of that, and I think this is typical, which is why I'm telling this to you, but, um, I think that it's important to understand that even though you feel like things roll off your back and you don't feel the, the, the stress that might be going on, your body's going to show it and your body's going to tell you. And I looked at my labs and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> you know, the, so it's, it is these, these eye openers. Um, and it's, it's, it's a good thing. I mean, that's what we want. We want to have the eye openers. We need a kick in the ass sometimes to go, okay, what is it that I need to do? And what is it that I need to change? And what is it that I need to do to support my body? Because right now it's not feeling very supported. And, and that's kind of, uh, I think in part where I am. So it's all part of the process and it's, it's amazing and it's beautiful. And I have the ability to keep digging. So um, that's, it's the, it's, it's not only when we're looking at the thyroid, we also want to look at other hormones. We want to understand how those hormones, including adrenal hormones are affecting the thyroid and vice versa. Then though, we can look into, oh, let me hit on something real quick. I, I, I came across this last night. If I can find it quickly, then I will, because it was talking about, um, exogenous hormones. And I think that this is important for women um, who are taking birth control pills. This is, I take this stuff to heart. We've talked about this a couple of times and the negative implications of, 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 of chemical hormones, birth control, and how they can impact the body the, the amount of mitochondrial damage that they create, the amount of, of oxidative stress that they can create. But uh, one of these things, uh, let's see, when a person uses, ex uses exogenous hormones, so this is, this, these are hormones that we take internally, right? She is flooding her body with an unnatural amount of hormones. This causes dysfunction in a number of ways. And so uh, we have, they become a health risk uh, especially for, uh, in the case of estrogen for non-menopausal women, um, there's an excess amount of hormone and this can, this buildup of hormone, the liver is put under stress because it's unable to detoxify the hormone properly. Uh, it overburdens the liver and causes it to slow down. It becomes congested, uh, and it can falter in many of its functions, right? Poor liver function leads to all sorts of problems high cholesterol, inflammation, poor immunity. Uh, but because the, the liver cannot properly break down the hormones for elimination, these hormones go back into the bloodstream in an even more toxic form than when they entered the liver in the first place. That's huge. That is so huge. Um, and so this is especially true with estrogen, which can lead to breast cancer, endometriosis, premenstrual, uh, uh, premenstrual syndrome, fibrocystic breasts, ovarian cysts, cervical dysplasia, endometrial cancer, prostate carcinoma and hyperplasia, menopause and andropause. And so elevated estrogen also directly affects thyroid function by hampering conversion of T4 to active forms of the hormone T3 in the liver and by creating too many thyroid binding pro pro proteins so that the thyroid hormones can't get into the cells. And so basically what they said, they were talking about underconversion there as well as then um, thyroid resist or uh, uh, thyroid hormone resistance. So 
this is really a big deal, and I'm, I'm glad I thought about uh, finding uh, finding that for you and reading it to you, and I hope that I didn't read it too fast. I have a tendency to do that, but um, we have so many young women on birth control pills. We have so many women who are suffering with thyroid dysfunction, with inflammation, with gut issues, with cancer, with breast cancer, with, with endometriosis, all of these things that are listed here, right? These are the things that women suffer with constantly. We have a society full of really unhealthy people, which in my mind, it's all lifestyle related, taking the pills lifestyle. I understand there's a reason for it. I understand the convenience of it, but we got to look to the future. We got to look to the future of our own health, of the health of our children. If our thyroid's not functioning properly, are we going to be able to, to get pregnant? The, 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 the infertility risk greatly increases with, 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 I can't even talk, with thyroid dysfunction, right? But infertility greatly increases with liver dysfunction, with, with GI dysfunction. If the body has other things to think about, if it's trying to work on keeping you safe, keeping you healthy and keeping you alive, do you think that it's going to want to go, oh, let's go try to have another little person growing inside this person that I'm trying to keep alive. It just doesn't work that way. Um, which this is a good time for me to kind of, you know, hit on this. I think <laughs> why not? Right. Um, but is soulful conception. That's what soulful conception is for. If you've not heard, heard of soulful conception yet, this is preconception planning, uh, and purposeful living for a healthy pregnancy, a healthy body and a healthy baby. This is my new program that I am amazingly excited about because these are the things that we need to to address early on before pregnancy and I'm gonna move I've got my Instagram feed up here I'm gonna move this just a little bit because just in case you're curious there is a QR code if you can see it um, if you're interested if you want to share it which I would love um, that way you can I'm assuming you can zoom in on it I don't know I'm not a techie but, um, <laughs> but I'm trying to make it work right. So anyway, soulful conception in my mind has the ability to, to create the health of the future. Cause that's what this is all about. The, the women who are women and men, right? So I know I speak mostly to women when I'm talking about this stuff, but the men are just as important. I want men as part of this program. Now, the, I, I, I want, I, my goal is to help people understand, if they don't already, the, um, the, the impact that they can have on their pregnancy. So preconception planning decreases um, negative, uh, negative outcomes of pregnancy, right? Well, that's kind of where we'll leave it. I think it's by 80%. Um, it's significant, right? So just taking the time to plan. And then you are setting up your child for a lifetime of health, right? If, if you're as healthy as you can be today, you're setting that child up for a lifetime of health. You're also then setting up that child for health for generations. So it's not just your children. It's your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-great-grandchildren, and the data is there. Seven generations ahead, be if you're healthy, as, as healthy as you can possibly be prior to getting pregnant, you're impacting seven generations. That's an amazing amount of control that you have over the future. And I, I find it fascinating, and I find it amazing and beautiful and miraculous, but that's that's what soulful conception is. That's what it is to to learn what it is that that these conveniences of the pill and other drugs that are out there being pushed on us, in a sense, um, that they are creating the dishealth of the future, right? The disease, the dysfunction. Um, and I'm talking mental, emotional, physical, all of it. And now I'm certainly not saying that drugs don't have a place. They obviously do. Um, I'm blessed that we're, we live in a country where we have 
an amazing amount of R&D and we save a lot of lives in an acute situation with the drugs that we have. But understanding that the diseases that we deal with today, 95, 6, 7% of the diseases that we deal with today, today are lifestyle diseases. They're the choices that we make. The, the amazing amount of thyroid dysfunction, whether it's autoimmune or not, is, in, is so much of it's due to the choices that we make. We also don't know what we don't know. So, my there's lots, there's so much that I want to learn and need to learn as well, but that's why I do a show like this and I talk to everybody I can. My husband gives me a hard time. He's like, you just, it's all you can talk about. Well, it's kind of true, but I have this need to get this information out there because I want to change the future. I think it's important to have, I don't know, it's important for me to have that mindset. I want to have a huge impact on the future. Again, that's what soulful conception is. My goal is that it is a huge impact on the future. But I can't do it by myself. And so what I all I can do is spread spread my word and then hopefully everybody else who's who learns and is informed and you know, you just spread the word as well. That's what we I think that's what we all want, right? Especially those of us who are who are educators. Um I think it's it, it just it's just really important. So I'll stop that soapbox. Um, I think it was moving into GI because the other thing that we see that I see in practice always, always, always is GI dysfunction. And so what does that mean? It can mean a lot of things. Uh, so it can mean, depending on the person, you know, it can mean, you know, you, you have pain, you have blowing, bloating, you have heartburn, you have um, the situations where you don't go to the bathroom, you have situations where you have to always know where the bathroom is because you don't know, because it just sneaks up on you. These are all real life situations and they're happening constantly. I mean, it's not a good place to live in a situation where you constantly feel like you're full of shit. <laughs> I mean, it's, it sucks, right? But you also don't want to live in a place where you're constantly having to, having to you, you can't go just anywhere you want to go because you always have to know where the bathroom is. So what's the underlying cause of GI dysfunction? Well, thyroid dysfunction can cause GI dysfunction. But if we go back again, we go to stress, right? So what causes stress? The infections, the mycotoxin exposures, the toxins in the environment. Um, and so everything, I want to say it again, is that everything is connected. So one of the things that I didn't hit on with thyroid specifically is a lot of times we're put on uh, antidepressants because the low thyroid function can create a depressive state. Um, and if we don't fully understand what's going on with the thyroid or the underlying causes, we are depressed and then put on antidepressants, which are a joke, right? Sorry if you don't agree with me, that's okay. Uh, but they are. So, um, 90% of our serotonin is produced in the gut. Serotonin is our happy neurotransmitter. And so gut dysfunction can lead to neurotransmitter dysfunction. Um, and then also then we have, if we have thyroid dysfunction, so you can see how all of these things start to come together. If you have adrenal burnout, which then the, the adrenal glands aren't communicating properly, so I, I'm trying to put together, not very well, but a picture of all of the things that are connected that have the potential of creating symptoms that are not normal. So just knowing that if you, if it's minor fatigue, you know, are you not sleeping well, but what's making you not sleep well, right? So, but if you're dealing with something that's, that's becoming chronic, if it's the weight gain, if it's the fatigue, if it's the brain fog, if it's pain, you got to find somebody who's going to help you work through all of that and do the functional lab testing. And, and so going back to the functional lab testing there, you know, I talk about, you know, I have been talking, <clears throat> excuse me, about mycotoxin exposure with its fungus, right? We talk, we hear about black mold. Fungus can create a, a, a stress situation, which impacts the thyroid. Fungus can create GI dysfunction. The fungus can create um, uh, adrenal dysfunction. It can 
cause brain fog. Not everybody has the variant that is going to make it work, make it uh, present, right? So we can have two people living in the same home with black mold. One's affected, one's not affected. Um, but it is important to know, though, that even if you're not affected, that it can create an impact. And so lots of people, even here in Colorado where it's dry, uh, although it's not been for the past month, <laughs> but we're, we're typically pretty dry, uh, there still can be black mold. Uh, I see it on a fairly regular basis, but then you have your people who come from um, other states where there's a higher amount of humidity and you don't know that there's mold infestation uh, because it's in the walls or it's in the you know, basement or whatever the case may be, it's still, those spores are going around and they will infiltrate and they will get into your sinuses and into your lungs and they'll create all kinds of nastiness and they don't go away. They can be there for years and years and years and and, and if, you know, there are those who are dealing with, um, you know, the multi-chemical sensitivity situations and they're allergic to everything and so and and sensitive to everything and it's they can't they can't smell perfumes which we shouldn't smell anyway they can't um you know all of these things impact them and they get they're just get, getting sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker there's always a reason for it and it's because somewhere there's some kind of underlying toxic burden a lot of times it's mold a lot of times it's lime those tend to go together and and the they're, they're not being tested properly to see if this, if, if this, to see what the underlying cause is. So functional lab testing, we can look at environmental toxicities. We can look at um, heavy metal toxicities. I'm going to get back to that. Um, we can also look at um, um, uh, uh, mycotoxin exposure. We can look at neurotransmitters. We can look at micronutrients. We can look at so many amazing things to help us to, to really let the body tell us the story. Because that's what it is. It's the body telling us the story. We can see that we can feel and see the symptoms, but we've got to understand the story. And that's what the labs do. So I do want to hit on heavy metals real quick. Um, this is kind of becoming a, a lab talk, which is okay. But, you know, heavy metals impact the thyroid also. Heavy metals are really difficult um, because they come out of the body by stool, by urine, by sweat, by hair, by saliva, by blood. Um, they are eliminated in all of these different ways. And so to do one test that tests all heavy metals is not sufficient. Uh, so there, so my, my, my point to that is there's really no perfect heavy metal test. Um, there is, there, there's a test for mercury that's really good. Quicksilver does it. It's a, it's called mercury tri test and they do it this way. So to back that up a little bit, there are certain variants that, that we can have. I'm one of those people who we, if, if it expresses, we don't have the ability to detoxify mercury well or properly. And so it can sit in the tissue, specifically in brain tissue. And there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of factors that go into situations such as Alzheimer's, many, many factors, but that can be one of them. If mercury is not being detoxified, then it sits in the brain tissue and the brain gets pissed off and it starts to grow, uh, uh, what's it called? Sorry, it's not coming to me, but it's, it's, it's that that network of protective shoot. Anyway, doesn't matter right now because this is totally doesn't matter. You, I'm, I'm sure if you see it, you, you're probably going this. I know what this is. Anyway, um, so but the you know when when this matter grows in the brain, it develops. It's usually it's usually because it's trying to protect the brain, and part of it could be for mercury. So point to all of that is, you know, we have mercury in our fillings, which is horrible. Uh, we have inorganic mercury. We have organic mercury. And so they're detoxified differently. They do different things. They mean different things. But if we do, if we're looking specifically at mercury, the mercury tri test looks at blood, hair, and urine. Yes, that's right. So blood, hair, and urine. And so that's the best way to get the most complete look at 
mercury and if you have mercury toxicity, mercury overload, if it's organic or inorganic. Um, but we don't have that for all of the however many hundreds or I don't know how many you know heavy metals are out there that are creating problems for us. So we have to take it and we have to do the best that we can. And so right now, the best we've got, you know, hair test is, is good. Urine tests are good. They're never complete, but they can start to give us a good indication, especially if you're doing multiple tests. Obviously, it depends on your budget. These things don't, they're not inexpensive. But um, again, going back to doing different things, to test different things, put all the different pieces of the puzzle together, that's why, you know, I, you know I, this, this is all kind of detective work. Um, and so it is looking at all the pieces and the parts so we can say, okay, this is what we think is happening. We don't need a diagnosis, right? A diagnosis is a cluster of symptoms. What is it that's causing the cluster of symptoms? We need to understand what is going on at the bottom level, right? At the foundation, at the root cause, whatever you want to call it. We want to address that. We want to address the cellular dysfunction. We want to address the mitochondrial dysfunction. We want to address micronutrient deficiencies. We want to address gut issues. We want to get rid of microorganisms that aren't supposed to be there. All of these things then allow the body to start to, to take the, the burden off, and then it can do its job, whether that's trying to create a baby, whether that's allowing the thyroid to function properly, whether that's allowing the brain to function properly. Um, so there's so much to this, uh, but it's fascinating and it's amazing. But I really wanted to, to get the point across, I think, more than anything. I don't know. There are a lot of points I wanted to get across. <laughs> but to not just, just take, we're going to run one or two markers and this is going to be your diagnosis. Um, it's, it really is about digging in and understanding. Um, the hard part, too, about allopathic care is, and it's not, it's not the fault of the physicians uh, and the practitioners, but it's the time that they have, right? If, they, if they're taking insurance, the time that they have is like, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes? I saw a doctor years ago where I had two issues. I can't remember even what they were at the time, but I had two things. So I went in for one thing and I said, okay, I also have this thing. He's like, no, you have to make another appointment. I was like, what? I was floored. And I, I hear that constantly now. You can come in for one thing. You have to make an appointment for another thing. We don't have the time. I'm not going to take the time to listen to you. I can't take the time to listen to you. It's a hard place to be for those who go into medicine thinking that they can help people, but then they're squashed by a time limit due to insurance. It's frustrating, which is also why a lot of practitioners in allopathic medicine and functional medicine and holistic medicine and you know whatever you want to call it are moving outside of insurance um, I think you get better care that way um, and you know if insurance can catch up that's great but you know don't know if that's gonna happen but they are you know they, they've got their they do have their place although not perfect um, you know I have I have I think I have catastrophic insurance right so something crazy happens to me it's nice to have that 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 backing, but I'm paying for so much money, as many of us are at this point, for something that I never use. But that's okay. It is what it is, and so um, as I age, things can happen, and so that's part of it, right? Do the same thing for my dogs, right? My dogs have insurance too. I pay way too much for their insurance because I don't do vaccines and I don't do all of the things, but it's fine because if something happens, then we're covered. I suppose. So, um, one of the things that I wanted to hit on because I kind of glossed over autoimmune thyroid a little bit is for one, if you, if you are getting labs done and you're having underactive thyroid symptoms and you're not having your antibodies tested, it's a mistake. So often, um, you know, as, as, I have already showed you, you know, there are many, many patterns of dysfunction coming from all different locations of the body that can mimic or create this underactive thyroid situation. Um, Hashimoto's is one of those. It can also mimic, you know, like I said, to create that storm, 
the 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 overactive thyroid, the the sort of that that Graves, which is an, which is Graves is an autoimmune thyroid that is overactive thyroid, right? Hashimoto's is underactive autoimmune underactive thyroid. I'm not saying that right, but I think you follow me. So when it comes to nutrients, diet, lifestyle for a situation of an autoimmune condition, um, there are some basics for autoimmune. Remember, it's not a thyroid situation, it's an immune situation. The thyroid is being attacked, but it's the immune system that's gone wonky. So why? Ask the question why. What's created a wonky immune system? Um, but know this, that when you eat gluten and you have an autoimmune thyroid condition, uh, or really any condition, but there's a, there's a, what's the coolest thing? It's called molecular mimicry. And what happens there is the gluten molecule is similar enough to the thyroid hormone that if you eat gluten, the, the body will then go after the thyroid. So know that, and people hate this when I tell them this, but it's the truth. There are very few things in life that are black and white. Um, and I believe this to be one of those things, that if you have an autoimmune condition, dairy and gluten should never, ever, ever, ever be a part of your life. You should forget that it even exists. Um, now, of course, you know, mistakes happen, and, you know, it's kind of everywhere at this point. But um, just understanding that they are so inflammatory when you're already dealing with an inflamed state that avoiding them is really, really key to, 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 to making sure that you're not having flares, to allowing the immune system to calm. Um, we really need to avoid those, period. Black and white, no gluten, no dairy, if you're dealing with any kind of autoimmune condition. I've seen it over and over again um, where people are like, well, you know, I'm feeling really well. Things are good. I'm going to have just a bite of cake. It's my daughter's birthday, whatever it is. What happens, they flare. They lose months of work because they're, they're now back to where they started. It can happen. It doesn't always happen that way, but it can happen that way. So we want to, you know, there are just a couple of things that we just want to be really aware of. There are other things, too, and that's a whole other topic. Um, but... This is just kind of that black and white gluten and dairy, or the devil, if you have autoimmune disease. And it stinks, but it's just the way that it is. So, um, wow, we're at the end of our time. So thank you for hanging out with me. Um, I, hey, Butch, I see all of y'all. Thanks, I appreciate you uh, joining me. Um, I'll kind of keep you posted if that is of interest to you on what's going on with, with my crazy little body. Uh, we're just going to keep digging and keep searching and, and, and keep working on it. I will say one of the things that I had that came up, which is interesting, is my elevated estrogen. I'm in a situation where I'm perimenopausal, maybe pushing menopause, and my estrogen's elevated. And so one of the things to think about, I should probably just do this in another show, but I can't help it. Um, when estrogen is elevated like that, it's because it's not clearing. I'm not detoxifying it properly. So then it can become, um, it can become uh, problematic. So addressing my liver, right? And that's a lot of times what we need to do in, in, in situations is look at liver function and why it's not detoxifying properly. Are there um, uh, you know, epigenetic variants that are creating that for me? Yes, I do have methylation issues. So um, all good stuff, all interesting, and, and so much fun to talk about and put the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, I'll be glad when I figure it out and lose, you know, the 10 or 12 pounds that I put on. <laughs> but, you know, it's all part of life and part of growth. So I'm taking it, and we'll be ready when the time comes. So anyway, let me know if you uh, have any questions. Always feel free to reach out to me. I'm here to be a resource. Um, if you, I would really love it if you know anybody who is looking at uh, pregnancy, planning to get pregnant, male, female, um, that you send them to me. I'm happy to have a conversation with them. Even if they're already going through maybe fertility treatments or if they're struggling, this really is for the person who's two years out, even before that, to the person who's trying to work through the process, process of fertility treatments. And 
um, it's a it's it's a good program. I have a lot of really amazing experts who who bring their their knowledge to this program that are beneficial to anybody who's a part of this program. So anyway, uh, go to my website, Taste Like Nutrition. I Taste Like Nutrition and all the social media. I have an assessment you can fill out. I'll reach out to you personally. We'll chat about it. See where we might be able to um, to help you, or if you need to be referred, or whatever the case may be. Like I said, I really am here to be a resource. I want to serve you the best I can. And um, yeah, that's what I got. We'll see you next week, Thursday, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, streaming live on the one and only KUHSDenver.com. See y'all later. Bye, guys.